1: It's match.
0: That's right. So, download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers Cash. Redeem your Pampers Cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and
1: rewards. If you want to learn something new, would you rather learn it on your own from a random teacher or from folks who are the best of the best in that skill? I think I know which option most of you would choose. That's made possible by Masterclass. In recent months, they've added classes from the likes of Ava DuVernay, who gives us tips on how to reframe our thinking in all walks of life. One of our personal favorites recently was the one-on-one time we got with Amy Poehler in her class on preparing to be unprepared. So good. With Ava DuVernay. With over 180 world-class instructors and a 30-day money-back guarantee for new members, there's no reason not to get started today. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things.
2: And it took some time, but I'm finally fine.
0: Welcome back. Squad today is a big day. Buckle up buttercups because today we have Oprah Winfrey.
1: Woohoo! Oprah Winfrey baby. whoa! whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Yes. Here we are. Oh, wow, there's
3: sister.
4: <laughs> Hello, Miss Winfrey.
1: Hey, Abs. How you doing? So good. You're so wonderful. <laughs> this is going to be fun. So
0: fun. It is. It is. Thank you for spending this time with us.
1: Oh,
3: I wanted to spend this time with you. I've missed you so much. Oh, I miss you I missed you so much. I just remember our first gathering under the oaks at my yes. house. The Super Soul Sunday. Oh my God. That was oh. so fun. I know. Magical it was.
0: It was. And here we are and we get to talk about yeah. your new book. And I ah. um, have so many questions. I wanted to start with one of the strategies that you talk about in the book about happiness. Happiness Ooh. strategy that I am now trying to implement in all areas of my life. <laughs> Can you talk to us about detached attachment and How you discovered this strategy through your experience with beloved, detached. Oh,
3: my goodness, beloved, one of my greatest teachers of all times. You know, what I do know is that everything that is happening to you is there to teach you about yourself. And so, even in some of my darkest moments, and recently I had a couple, you know, dark moments with bullying online. Mm -hmm. And I spent so much time going, okay, so now tell me. Why is this happening? What am I supposed to learn from this, and how do I detach myself from the whatever I was attached to? And I start asking, what was it I was attached to? Mm-hmm. I was t- attached to the idea of whatever it was. So I learned this through beloved. I learned that this thing that I'd worked on my for ten years and so loved and wanted other people to feel the 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 same kind of um joy and understanding of what it means to come through being an enslaved woman and still be able to love mm-hmm. I was attached to the idea mm-hmm. of people getting that but and getting it in the same way that I was and I remember after it bombed it was so hard for me to say the word bomb for a long time because when people would say it bombed I'd be like did it really bomb? <laughs> well, it actually did bomb. Oh. And I I knew that it was bombing. That And there'd been so much publicity about it. I was on the cover of Time magazine and it was our beloved Oprah and all. Mm. I mean, like more press than you've seen about anything. And it bombed. And I remember getting the call. It opened on a Friday night. And I remember getting a call Saturday morning saying, it's done, it's over. You've been beaten by The Bride of Chucky.
4: Oh, good Lord.
3: No. Yes. And I didn't know what Chucky... I I said, who's Chucky?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And who's his bride? Hopefully his bride is really famous or something.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I went into a depression. I I, I asked my chef that morning to make macaroni and cheese for breakfast. Mm Yes. And I ate my way through it. And... For a long period of time, I was stuck in that wall. And it was a conversation with Gary Zukov, who said to me, Well, what did you really want? And I said, Well, I wanted people to feel everything that I was feeling. I wanted the story to live in people's hearts. So we live in. And he said, Well, I felt that. And I said, Well, I wanted more than you. I actually, <laughs> wanted millions of people to feel that. And he said, Well, if you wanted millions of people to feel it, you would have done a different kind of movie. Because this wasn't a movie for millions of people. This was a movie for people who could receive it the way you wanted to give it and to present it. And so I learned in that experience that everything else that you ever do in your life is a gift or an offering. You do it with the purest of intention to be a gift and an offering. And if people receive it, they receive it. And if they don't receive it, that's okay. Because your intention was to offer it as a gift. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: so that is how I learned to detach from my attachments.
0: So you're still attached to the offering because the complete detachment doesn't work for me. I have no idea how to be detached from anything. So, (laughs) really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but I'm learning from this, I'm learning in terms of the pod. So, all I can do is put everything into each hour. With the guest, be right. in love with what they're doing, and then yeah. let it go completely. Walk away from that hour and That's never right. check again.
3: No expectation. And I've had to do this with my girls. Mm-hmm. You know, Glennon, you you you've been so helpful to me with my daughters and helped me with an intervention with one of my girls who was going through multiple trials. And you know, I now have 887 girls out into the world that I've put through school. All of them have my email address mm-hmm. and still continue to contact with me with all their stuff. And different levels of people, uh, girls succeeding in the world mm-hmm. and managing their lives to the extent that I would want them to. And I learned. The sophomore year, one of my daughter girls who'd come here and was going to Wellesley and was having multiple mental illness issues and was miserable. And I remember saying to her, Well, do you want to go back to South Africa? And she said, No, I'll just slug it out until my senior year. And I said, Slugging's not going to be good for either of us because mm-hmm. at the end when you graduate, there is no joy in the slug. Mm -hmm. There's no joy in the slug. Mm -hmm. So I want you to be as happy as you can be now. Anyway, she ended up slugging it out. And I learned in that experience that I wanted to go to Wellesley. Mm. I had wanted to be in the white dresses and the graduation and the thing. And so I convinced her to go to that school Mm. instead of staying in South Africa. And That was my desire, not her desire. And it turned out to be a miserable experience for her. And I learned from that experience because there's nothing that's ever happened to me. that I'm not like, okay, what am I supposed to get for this? To release all of my expectations about what anybody else, particularly the girls, would turn out to be, would do with the education. I offered the school, I did the school as an offering for girls to grow their own wings and to soar. And some grow, some don't. Some take harder to to, to grow than others. Some take longer to actually leave the nest and fly. Can I be okay with just the offering of the school? Mm. Can I just accept that, Abby? You you Mm. see what I'm saying, right? Yeah.
0: Mm. Everybody who's raising a teenager, a young adult knows exactly what you're saying. Can we be okay with just the offering?
1: Can
3: you just offer it and whatever, whatever, and however they choose to receive it, be okay Mm -hmm. with that? Be okay with that and have no judgment about it. So I would have to say that even now, not being attached to the outcome of anything that I do, I realize that I started the People's Fund of Maui um, because I was so. Interested for myself in finding out what is the best thing that could help people in this moment in time. So the fires came, y'all, and in Maui, I was home that day and had been told that we were going to have to evacuate ourselves. And it was a scary time because how do you get all the animals out? I have horses and mm-hmm. dogs and a light. So we were, were, which way are we going to go? Which direction are we going to take? I'd gotten in the the Jeep and gone down the road myself because I didn't trust all the reports to actually look at the fires myself to see where they were. And they looked really pretty contained. So I felt better about it after getting on the road and looking at myself and said, there's one there and there's one there and there's one. And they were saying to me, security was saying, there's one six miles from us. There's one eight miles from us. So I got in the car myself and went and looked and I felt better and then decided to go take a hike, literally. and. As I was coming down from the hike, I hiked up about two miles on the mountain and then I was coming down. I started to notice it getting dark, but it was the middle of the day. It shouldn't have been getting dark. And I was like, what's going on? What kind of cloud is that coming in? And it turned out to be a wall of smoke on the other side. That was Lahaina burning in the middle of the afternoon because the winds had changed and the fire came. So. During that time, we were still trying to figure out for ourselves are we going to have to evacuate? What is going on? What is going on? And when we realized the devastation that had occurred across the way from us on the other side of Maui in Lahaina, we were all just in the moment trying to figure out how I was, how to best serve. Do you, you know, where are the shelters? Where are the people? Wherever. And so those. First couple of days, I was literally going around to the shelters asking people, tell me what you need, tell me what you need. And at first it was just people needed underwear, people needed towels, people needed, they needed uh, uh, shampoo and being able to, you know, keep themselves. Uh, And then people started to call me, text me asking Where can we send money? Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't know. I said, well, I'm here on the ground. I don't know where to send, uh, other than the Red Cross and the Humane Society, which I'd gone out and bought 300 pounds of dog food taken by the Humane Society. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I don't know where to tell anybody. So I said, I will do some research myself. I started researching. There were some people on the ground doing things, but nobody was uh, getting money directly to the people. Dwayne The Rock had called Mm -hmm. saying, uh, "You know, I'm so sorry for what's happening. Is there anything, you know, we could do? We started talking about having a fundraiser, a telethon, a Mm -hmm. concert. And in those discussions, realize it's going to take too long to do that. I said, that's going to take too long. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take too much money Mm -hmm. in order to have a good concert and do it in Honolulu because you can't do it here. I said, that's going to take millions and millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Better to take that money and give it directly to the people. In the meantime, my godson, Gail's son, Will, sent me this article on Dolly Parton. Mm. Dolly Parton, when this happened in her hometown, uh, Gatlinburg, had had a concert and in that concert raised $12.5 million. She called it My People's Fund. I called Dolly. I sat down with Dolly's people, Dolly's team. Her, the head of our foundation, Jeff. I said, Jeff, tell me how you all did this. So <laughs> I was so excited. I went, oh my God. Okay. They were able to do that. So I thought, okay, what could we do yeah. if we built a team, mm-hmm. right? Put together The Rock and his team, my team. We decided we we're going to have to get somebody to manage the money on the ground. We call this firm, EIF. We talked to them. We researched them. We, you know, negotiated the fee down so that all the money other than what we were needing to pay people to actually be on the back, was going to go directly to the people. Mm-hmm. So I was so excited, so excited. Mm-hmm. Makes me want to cry right now. I was so excited for the announcement. So I said to the Rock, listen, how much do you want to put in? I said, I think $10 million would be great to start because anytime you go to a charity, somebody's raising money. If somebody donates $10 million, that's a great start. And I have on many occasions given $10 million Mm -hmm. and people are always excited with that 10 figure. (laughs) So I said, let's start with $10 million and invite other people to join us. So I got up in the middle of the night in Hawaii after it was being announced. It was was being announced at eight o'clock here. So it's two o'clock in the morning. I was so excited, so excited. And I was hit with all of this vitriol. When I was hit with, why aren't you paying for the whole thing yourself and how dare you ask other people and what's wrong with you and why didn't your house burn down and mm. all the, you know, everything from, I had a blue light and a laser and I set the fires to I set the fires because I was trying to, people were saying that I was deliberately doing this because I was trying to get other people's life. It was awful. Mm. It was awful. It was awful. And it made me so sad it made me sad but not just it didn't make me sad for myself because it was it was like when i was on trial years ago for saying something bad about a burger
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: texas and will the do pro- that to you texas will do that to you <laughs> and, the prosecu- and, and, and the and and the and the attorney the defense attorney was yelling at me and saying you are influential and you did this you are this woman is a liar And she did this to deliberately destroy my clients. Well, a calmness came over me and I felt like, well, he's not talking about me. Mm -hmm. I know that that is not who I am. Mm -hmm. So the trolling didn't affect my spirit because I know that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. I know that's not who I am. So I don't know who you're talking about, but that's not who I am. But it did make me very, very sad. Of course. Because I, I thought, wow, this is what we've become. Yeah. This is who we are. This, You live in a country now where you can say, let's do a world of good for people. And then you are attacked for that. And you know what I immediately start thinking? What is this supposed to teach me? Mm-hmm. And I thought of every kid. Every time I, I've ever said the word cyberbullying, but didn't understand really what that meant, I thought, of, oh, this is what happens if you don't know who you are and the dark side comes for you. The dark triad, as Arthur Brooks says, if the dark triad is coming for you and you don't know who you are, you will get lost in it. You will get lost in the darkness. So it made me so sad because I thought, wow, we live in a world where this can now happen. Mm -hmm. But I was able to separate myself from it. And the thing that I'm most proud about myself is that I had prayer. And then I sat and I did my gratitude journal. I normally just do five things a day. I think I did 27 that day, Mm. sitting on the porch. I cried a little bit. And I wrote a little bit and then I got up and I went to visit my neighbors who'd lost their homes up mm. the hill and asked them, what can I do to help you?
2: Mm.
4: The weather's getting warmer, which is wonderful because we can say bye-bye to big bulky sweaters and jackets and hello to shorts and tees. I just ordered three of Quince's muscle tanks. Check out their European linen shirt dress. I got it in the blue and white stripes, classic. It's beautiful and summery and gorgeous in linen, and it was less than $50. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, and Quince cuts out the costs of the middleman and passes the savings to us. But they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. You will love all of it. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash hardthings for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com hard. Things.
0: So, what were you attached to?
3: Hmm. I think I was attached to the idea. You know, I was actually thinking this morning, Glenn, like, because I'm still going over it in my head, like, yeah. how did this happen? How did this happen? What was I thinking before? I remember saying a prayer the night before, like, oh, gee, let this work. Let this work. Mm-hmm. Hope this really works. I mean, the difference between what Dolly was doing and we're doing is that we have 10 times the amount of people. Mm -hmm. So I remember thinking, let this work. And I was thinking, okay, so I was attached to the idea of it being successful. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I still am trying to figure this one out.
1: Mm -hmm. I
3: still am trying to figure it out because on the ground where the people are actually receiving the help, the people are grateful, the people Mm. are, thankful that there is a people's fund that's saying, we're going to put money directly into your account. Mm-hmm. We're not even going to make you stand in line and wait for a check because uh, we were told by the elders, Dwayne and I sat and met with the elders before and they said, that's not going to work in Maui. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawaiians are too proud. They will be They will not want to come any place and stand in line and look like they're asking for money. Mm. But if you can find a way to just drop it in their accounts, Mm. they'll take it. They'll Mm. take it. So it wasn't, I I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. And which is a good thing because I know it shall be revealed. Yep. And in the meantime, I just keep going forward. Mm -hmm. Keep doing the work. Keep doing the work.
4: When you said, I know that's not who I am. Mm. When... In your life, did you know who you were? If you look at the timeline of your life Mm -hmm. and if that triad came for you at any point, can you pinpoint when you would say, you're not even talking about me? Because I think the confusion comes when you're not real sure maybe they are
3: talking about you. Well, actually, I will have to say, sister, I can call you sister, right? Oh,
4: I. I wish you would call me nothing else for
3: the rest of my life. Uh, I have to say that the epiphanal moment was on trial Mm -hmm. in 1998 for saying something bad about a burger. Because up until that point, I mean, you all, I was dragged every week by the tabloids. So the tabloids was my social media before, Mm -hmm. Stedman and I were dragged for everything. And the usual thing was, why won't he marry her? And why is she so fat? So I have been, you know, I think more than anybody else in this country, uh, made fun of, uh, ostracized. It, it, was, it was a normal thing for all the comedians to make jokes about me on their nightly shows. I mean, I didn't go on David Letterman for three or four years because he had done nothing but make these Miss Butterworth jokes about me.
2: Mm.
3: Ms. Butterworth, Ms. Butterworth, yes. And so I was a very different woman before that trial. That trial grew me up. And before that trial, I was always calling Maya Angelou, crying about something that somebody said. And I remember one time I called her and I was in the bathroom, i would crying, I don't even remember what the thing was. And I was in the bathroom, door closed, because people were in the house, and I didn't want them to hear me crying. And I was sitting on the toilet seat crying on the phone with her. And she said, stop right now and say thank you. And I said, I, I, but you're not hearing what I'm saying. And she said, no, say thank you right now. Why am I saying thank you? She said, I said, say thank you and I said, thank you. She goes, I want to hear it. Thank you. Thank you. She says, you say thank you because God's put a rainbow in the clouds. You just can't see it, and when you get to the other side, you'll be able to see that the rainbow was always there. So say thank you because you're going to come out on the other side of it, and you're going to be better. So the answer to that question is before this, I was thrown by everything everybody said. I mean, if you listen, somebody made a negative comment, I would try to track them down. I could get a thousand great comments and then one negative comment, and I'd be tra- I'd be calling them up. Why did you say that? And trying to convince them, you shouldn't yes. have said that. And then it was it was six weeks of being on trial. Six weeks of having your truth tested. Mm-hmm. And we all know that that's what trial is all about. it's and and then I realized sitting there on the witness stand, oh, I have a really big life, so therefore, I get the real trial. But everybody has trials. Mm. People have trials of divorce. They have trials of job failure, not succeeding, children, not working out the way you raising children the way you wanted to. They have trials in their life. And all trial, Stands outside of you to force you to be able to answer, Who am I really? Mm -hmm. It's what we talk about in Build a Life You Want that metacognition of being able to separate yourself from the feeling or the circumstance or the trial or the challenge or the difficult. Oh, that's out here. So, this past week, going through all this, you know, online craziness stuff. I was like, oh, well, that's out there. Literally, I'm sitting on my porch listening to the birds singing. Mm. And that's out there. Yeah. That's out there. How can I be detached from that? Yeah,
0: It's that scripture. I'm just thinking for the first time that this is what blessed are you when you're persecuted is. Yes. It's because we've got these voices inside of ourselves that are always telling us we're crap, right? (laughs) Or like little... But then, when yes. it comes from the outside, when it really, really comes from the outside and you listen to it long enough, there's a part of you that stands up for yourself.
3: Yes, 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 because you know it's not true. You so know it's not true. The, the epiphanal moment, uh, as, as you were saying, Amanda, Sister Amanda, as you were saying, that moment when he's literally holding up Time magazine. And he's saying, you are influential, aren't you? That's what it says here in Time magazine. So you deliberately used your influence. And I'm thinking, I wasn't thinking about influence. Everything you're saying is not true. Mm -hmm. It is not true. Mm -hmm. And when I came down from the witness stand, I literally said to my producer, oh, my God, you're going to love it. I was on the witness stand for two days straight. I said, you're going to love it up there. She goes, I don't think so. I said, oh, yeah, because you're going to get to figure out who you really are. Mm -hmm. You're going to get to figure out who you really are. And that was sweet. Mm -hmm. That was sweet. I say, that was a big test to come to to, to that realization. But I came away from that with, with a knowingness about myself that I did not have before the trial. That's what the trial taught me. This is who you are.
0: This is mm-hmm. who you are. So would you say now when it comes,
3: mm-hmm.
0: like it came this past week,
3: mm-hmm. are
0: you able to recover faster? Because I oh, think it's, it's beautiful to hear that you still, it's when people say just develop a tough skin and it will never affect you. That's not real, is it? It does hurt at first,
3: right? Would you say it? Yes, it hurts at first. I was stunned, but I was more stunned, mm-hmm. disappointed, and saddened that this is where we are in our country, that this could happen. I mean, there isn't anybody who's lived a straighter, more um, deliberately trying to be good life, raised as a good girl, that whole good girl syndrome, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, There's nobody who has paid more taxes, don't have the offshore funds, not trying to get away with anything, literally just doing, the right thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I was like, how could this be? It it, it does did not co- compute for me. So trying to understand that.
0: Is that what you're attached to? Good. Mm. I'm good.
3: Yeah. That's hmm mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. That's good therapy right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's good therapy right here in the middle of the podcast. This is fantastic. <laughs>
0: Um, One time when I was having a good girl breakdown because somebody said I was bad, I was talking to Liz Gilbert on the phone, crying to her. And I said, you know, it's like that Steinbeck thing. I said, now that we don't have to be perfect, we can be good. And she said, no, no, no. Now it's now that we don't have to be good, we can be free.
3: Fantastic, Liz. That's great. That's a good thing gets me. That's what we're we're all striving for is the freedom, Mm -hmm. is the freedom, is the liberation, Mm -hmm. is the liberation. And what I've found is, you know what? Love liberates. Mm -hmm. Love liberates. That's right. And when you're able to offer it and able to receive it, that's when the deepest sense of freedom comes, is when you can give and receive it openly. Mm -hmm. With no attachment.
0: With no attachment. With no attachment. Yes. Speaking of love and freedom, I want to talk about your parents for a moment, if that's all right. Um, mm. You lost your mother, Vernita Lee, in 2018, and your yes. father, Vernon Winfrey, last year. Um, you told me that after her parents died, Gail said she felt unmoored, mm-hmm. like she'd lost her anchor to the earth. And I have a friend who told me recently that her relationship with her parents was so complicated that her grief after their passing was tinged with a newfound lightness, hmm. like a first-time freedom for her. And and
3: freedom also freedom, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that, but can I just say this? That the email that you sent me after my mother passed was the most freeing offering, was the most freeing, was the most um, visionary, and was the most profound thing I'd ever experienced in terms of dealing with that passing. Because you said that she would now be able to finally see me.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And that freed me.
1: Mm.
0: I had like this vision, Oprah, when I heard about your mom's passing and it was just like a, and I had a vision of your mom being in a different place, wherever people go yes. and her being able to look back on the earth. <laughs> Like, this is quite crazy, but true. Abby knows. And just seeing the whole planet lit up. Yeah. Just lit up. Lights everywhere all over the planet. All lives that you had touched. And then I felt her seeing that for the first time, her impact. And then I felt, oh my God, then she will understand for the first time that she was part of that. That is a, yes. she's going to be so freaking proud.
3: Well, you being able to put that in an email to me was 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 the best eulogy, was the best sermon, was the best offering I received, mm. period, full stop. Mm. I don't know how that came to you. You said you were just sitting out somewhere mm. and you just decided you were going to write that to me and it it changed me. Mm. It changed me and I think it opened me to receive the spirit of my mother in a way that I had not thought I would. You know, I, in Maya's passing, you know, still feel Maya, felt her presence, felt her with me. I feel her abiding in me. I feel more Maya-like now. And I hear myself saying things and moving through the world, and it's my Maya-ness coming Mm. through. And I always felt that because I lacked a, a connection with my mother here on Earth, that that would not happen that wherever the spirits are that i would she would not be a part of me and i of her even though she had given birth to me but what you wrote to me in that email opened the channel for me to receive her in a way that i would not and so when i wrote to you and told you how you blessed me with that email that you know you bless me or you know meager words do not measure up to what you really did was you opened a channel for me to be able to receive the spirit of her in a way that I would not have. Mm.
1: Good job, and you Glennon. not
3: give? Good job, Glennon. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Good
1: job, Glennon. Good job.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You did you say know say you it. did that? No, Oprah, I did not <laughs> yeah, know well, that. I tried. I tried to tell you in the email, but oh, well, thank you. That's what you did for me. Mm.
0: Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location. It's the neighborhood. It's so much more. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks and transportation options. That's why homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking When was the last time, Oprah, that you had a side splitting laugh?
3: Mm. Oh I will tell you that um Gail and I have side splitting laugh, not side splitting. We have like, yeah, we're we're rarely side splitting <laughs> on the phone, but when we get together, there's side splitting. Mm-hmm. I tell you who I have one of one of my daughter girls is is a is a is a budding actress and she, Tondo, cracks me up all, all, all the time. Mm. And uh, she was just, uh, <laughs> she, she, she had just had a big skin breakout and had used some products by some famous person whose name I won't mention, but, and she was just recently in the, in in, in the CBS store and sent me a text of all of this person's products on display. And she said, Oh, There they go again, spreading zits throughout the universe. (laughs) Yeah, there they go again. But she just, I mean, she is so funny that when I just say her name and I start to laugh because she's got, because every time I text or call her, she's like, Mama, Mama. She doesn't call me Mama. It's Mama, Mama. So, no,
0: it's Watondo. So wonderful. Okay, can you, there's a part in your book where you talk about envy. Is there Mm. anybody, Oprah, that you're still
3: envious of? No. Mm. It doesn't exist for me. Wow. So good. Doesn't exist for me. Mm.
4: Do you ever envy a version of yourself that you're not yet?
3: Doesn't exist. For me, she's a no. real varsity over here, people. <laughs> no, doesn't <laughs> exist for me. I I I feel like if I was like envious of anybody, the way the law works of coming back to you, I think I just would get slapped in the face immediately. Because guys, is there anybody who has a more awesome, incredible life? No. I mean, when you think about Uh, I hike a lot now and I'm always, you know, not focusing on where I'm trying to get to, but I consciously stop and take breaths and turn around and look at how far I've come.
1: Damn. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's how I get myself to the top. Not by focusing on the top, but looking back at how far I've come and say, whoa, you didn't think you could make it to that point you didn't think you could get to the tree we have a big tree out there in the center of halfway up like we call it the hope tree you didn't think look at how you got there in 40 minutes and used to take you 55 and on the first day you did it it was an hour and 38 and so I look back at how far I've come and think wow I've already been farther than I thought I was gonna gonna make it today mm. I now think I can go a little further and the way I do it is I don't focus on where I got to get to. I just focus on one step after the next step Mm -hmm. after the next step. And I let that become the rhythm of my entire body. Just what is the next step? What is the next step? What is the next step? And that turns out to be a great metaphor for living. I have no, I don't, I can't, nobody would I envy. Nobody. And
0: you talk about just the next step. You say Stedman will have an outcome plan 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 but for oh, you Lord. you you stay in the moment and let intuition yeah. guide you i tend to over prepare get nervous freak myself out do you not prepare for things are you just you bring your full self and you trust that you will know what to say what to ask
3: hmm. for some things i think you need preparation for instance i'm speaking at an event tonight and um, for weeks, I was thinking about what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I always know that by the time I get there, something's going to show up for me to say. Mm. And so last night I started organizing that in a way that I could be concise because for graduation or something like that, you don't want to be up there rambling. You want to make these points, these points, these points and get off. But I I, I just have the confidence to know that I've lived long enough. I know enough things. I know how to talk. I know how to talk. And so I know I'm going to be able to, if if I have a central point to talk about, I know I'm going to be able to share that as an offering in a way that it will resonate and land with people. Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. confident about that. You should too, Miss Glennon, because you you are damn good.
1: I keep telling her,
3: you are so damn good.
1: Really, just so
3: darn good at that. So darn good at it. Mm. So you angst
0: about it? Oh yeah, but I'm. I'm. You're doing better. I'm playing with the idea that I can just be me. (laughs) 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 I'm not sure about it. I mean. I went into a meeting, Oprah, and I said, what am I supposed to do? And the person with me said, just be yourself. And I said, listen, I don't know how much longer I can keep that up.
3: This <laughs> 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 is the funniest thing. Because <laughs> that's really all there is. Listen, I made a career out of it. I made an entire career out of it. And the most comfortable space I've ever been in is sitting on that Oprah show for 25 mm. years. I was, I, I I just am was never more myself than with that audience every day. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like millions of people were like, uh, felt familial to me in a way, because I've reached a point where I felt comfortable sharing myself in a way that I would not be judged by people, and even if I was, I'd track you down and see. <laughs> uh, uh, but I know that there there is there is no other answer, you know it's it's kind of a favorite jokey line of ours. you know, whenever I'm going off someplace or gonna be speaking or something big has happened, somebody in the family will say, "Just be yourself. Just be yourself. <laughs> But I love you saying I don't know how <laughs> much longer that can work for me. <laughs> Whatever the hell that
1: means. I it's gonna right, take you. Through, it's gonna
3: take you to the end, Glenn. It's okay. gonna take you to the end,
0: Sister Glennon. All right. Mm. I already asked you if, if I could ask this. What I want to ask you about a part in the book that made me raise my eyebrows. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> made me raise my eyebrows even through my Botox. And I just want to read it to you and get your thoughts about it. It's a part that Arthur Brooks wrote, not you. Okay. Okay. So he's talking about friends conflict and how to handle it. And he says, quote, maybe your friends are religiously opposed to something about the way you live. And you conclude that they are, quote, denying your humanity. Okay. That's in quotes, denying your humanity. And he says we're not talking about abuse here; just difference in beliefs. Yeah. He goes on to say this is completely self defeating because it le- leads to your loneliness and isolation. The solution in this case is humility. Oprah, I gotta tell you, had to put Does the it book work down. For you? I had to <laughs> had to circle my room, walking. Abby knows, mm. circling the room, walking. What, okay, Mike, my, my thoughts about this are, I think first of all, my queer self was triggered because I felt like the words religiously opposed and then putting denying your humanity in quotes mm-hmm. made me feel like he was suggesting that denying your humanity was kind of like a overstated,
3: yeah, right? I don't um, think he intended that, but go ahead, okay. I, I want to know what it is that triggered what it is about that triggered you. What is it about yes. that that? didn't sit well with you that made you feel somehow confronted or? Yes.
0: Something I was attached to. I was going to say, yeah. How about that? Okay. I felt like it was written like from a person's point of view whose humanity had never been questioned Mm. because I felt like anybody who puts denying your humanity in quotes as if it's not a real thing.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: is someone who has never felt what it feels like to have someone else's religious views doubt your very divinity or your very- um,
3: Reason to be, to exist.
0: Reason to exist. And I thought, isn't it interesting for a person whose humanity has clearly never been threatened in a way that makes him relate to that, suggest humility for the other person? Because to me, it feels like, you know,
3: the person who's trying to deny your humanity should have should some be humility, hum- mm-hmm. should be hum- humble about it.
0: Mm-hmm. It was just an example of why sometimes reading a white man's perspective gets tricky because mm. he's suggesting humility for the very people I think who should not be choosing humility. Because to me, he suggests that if we do not Be humble in that moment. If we confront the other person or we draw a boundary, then we will end up lonely and isolated. But the times I felt lonely and isolated are when I don't confront the person, when I just say, okay, your difference of opinion or your belief, I guess, is okay. It's not a deal breaker between. Well, I think
3: it depends upon what you are willing to sacrifice to get along Mm -hmm. with the other person. Mm -hmm. You know, in my own relationships, I have perhaps sometimes chosen humility with my family and in other times I've chosen divorce. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've
3: chosen I no longer want to be a part of this relationship and I humbly take myself out of it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I humbly remove myself from being in contact with someone who feels that, demeaning me, or diminishing me, or doesn't see me for who I really am. Mm-hmm. So I think um, my interpretation of it is you must sacrifice that if you really want the relationship with the person. In my mm-hmm. in my experiences, I've chosen that. I'd rather not have the relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah. Sayonara. Same. Sayonara. Same.
0: I love yeah. that. I humbly...
3: I will humbly, never see you again. I will humbly never see you again. <laughs> peace out, and oh I do gosh. mean peace. Peace yes. out. Yes. yes, yes. And that that was a real hard one for me, you know, because mm-hmm. when I first started making money and my salary was published in the newspapers, I don't even know how they got the salary because I was like, really, I'm making that much money, and I went to my accountant and go, is this true? Uh, so. You can no longer say to your family or all the people coming to your money, "I don't have it." Mm-hmm. And I realized that when I first started making money, that I've been taking care of my family since. And everybody who's listening to us right now, if you're the one or the, certainly the first one in your family to succeed, you're, you're looking, <laughs> you're looking at Abby. you're the first one in your family to succeed, you become the first national bank. Yes. And this is the thing that I teach my girls starting in eighth grade if you choose to be successful in life, number one thing you're going to have to manage is all your family and all the people who feel like that success is owed to them. Mm-hmm. And so for me, in the beginning, I did not know how to handle it because mm-hmm. saying I didn't have it, you know, when I was making $22, $25, $50,000 a year, I didn't have enough to service everybody in the family. So I, I distinctly remember that when I was in Baltimore. That everybody always only needed five hundred dollars. My family members—they would need five. Mm-hmm. That was a number:
0: mm-hmm.
3: five hundred dollars. <laughs> the day—and I do mean the day—I moved to Chicago, and there was a picnic at my mother's house in Milwaukee. Everybody needed five thousand. Wow! <gasps> Cost of living no. in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asked me for five hundred. Everybody needed five thousand. Five. Thousand dollars My half-sister asked me. My aunt asked me. Two cousins asked me. Everybody, $5,000. So I had to learn how to manage that in such a way that, wow, I felt so put upon, so unseen for myself, the thing we're talking about, so denied, uh, my humanity denied by multiple family members who just thought I was their bank, Mm. thought I was their, thought I was their bank. And if you don't do it, then something's wrong with you Mm -hmm. because we're family. We're blood, that whole blood thing where Mm -hmm. I I don't even, I I don't remember. Hey, remember me? I'm your cousin. (laughs) We're blood. Hey, remember me? Blood. I actually had a fourth cousin, not third, fourth cousin (laughs) say to me, Y'all, I was in the house the night you was born. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's got to be worth at least
1: 25000
3: no. no way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I a Monopoly
4: set for all those who were there in the house. Twenty five for you.
3: Twenty <laughs> that has got to be worth at least 25000 Yeah, she did say that to me. She did.
1: So how did you humbly remove yeah. yourself? The dinner of a lifetime. The dinner of
3: a lifetime. The dinner of a lifetime. Where mm-hmm. I had all the family mm-hmm. and all the friends and all the people. And I got, because I got so tired of people. Seeing me as a bank, so I had a dinner of a lifetime where I brought the attorneys in and I did the contracts for people and I set up trust funds and I said, "This is what you're getting and this is what you're getting and this is what you're getting and please don't come to me anymore." And then the people who came afterwards, I humbly removed myself from their lives. That's what I did.
0: Humble restraining orders for all. I, hum- <laughs> I humbly
3: now <laughs> remove myself.
4: Pod Squad, we know about you. You, like us, pamper your pups with clothes, fluffy beds, toys all the days, any little thing their goodest hearts desires. Why then would we settle for burnt, smelly pellets in their dog dishes? Maybe you don't. Maybe you go with the farmer's dog like I do for Seamus, and you reap the benefits of giving your dog real, fresh, healthy food. It looks like real food because it is real food. It's made with human grade kitchens with the same gentle cooking you'd use if you were preparing meals for your family. It's even fun signing up. You answer questions about your dog, like what health issues they might have, how old they are, what breed and personality they have, and more. You're not only getting fresh pre portioned food, you're getting fresh pre portioned food for your specific dog. And your dog may just have a newfound respect for their human. To. get 50% off your first box of fresh healthy food at www.thefarmersdog.com/ hard things food made in human grade kitchens with the same gentle cooking you'd use if you were preparing meals for your family maybe more get 50% off your first box of fresh healthy food at www.thefarmersdog.com/hard things. It's all fun and games, but you said from 86 to 98, you had no family relationships because you couldn't actually be in a real relationship based on people because people were just coming to you all the time, which is all the time, which is sad.
2: Yeah. Kind of
3: sad. Kind of said, I did the thing, guys, where I wanted to have one time a, you know, when I first uh, I bought a farm in Indiana and I had this, you know, courier and Ives idea of the Christmas and the trees and the slaves and the dogs and the whole thing, and I brought all my family together. It was the worst experience. <laughs> it was. Don't never do that again. <laughs> I mean, that was the first and last time that ever happened. There was no, nothing. Oh no, no. Everybody How quickly was mad did at you everything. Know? Uh, I knew as people were arriving, <laughs> I could feel it. I could feel the tension. I, you know what I was feeling? I was feeling, what am I going to get? What am I going to get? What am I going to get? What did the she presents? get? And then she got more and she should have had more. And she should have had more, and I. I they I, hoped
0: I, it was an Oprah's favorite things episode.
3: <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> oh my gosh! It was it was interesting, but anyway, I think you know I've reached a point now where I feel a great sense of contentment in my life, mm-hmm. even mm. even when I was going through all this stuff last week. I was thinking, wow, I feel so good that I've reached the point of my mental spiritual. Evolvement that even in the midst of crisis i I still know that I'm okay and I'm going to be okay, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, yeah, that's a wonderful thing, and that's not you know gleeful happiness, but mm-hmm. I am able to, in the midst of any trial, make myself happier
0: mm-hmm. I think that's my favorite part of the book is what's really stayed with me too is the idea that happiness is not dependent on not having unhappiness.
3: Hmm. Correct. That you need it to balance. Yeah. It's the yin and the yang.
4: Yeah.
3: And it's the cloudy days that make the sunny ones so great. I'm the opposite. I love cloudy days. Mm. So I think, oh yeah, you got to get some sunny days in there in order to get the clouds to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Sunny days are awesome. You know, sunny days, Sunny days create too many expectations. Yeah, they're bossy. The The
0: tyranny of the sun. The sun is like, come out. You got to come out or you're depressed.
3: That's right. Or you got to do something. You got to have activities. You got to
0: enjoy it. The sun (laughs) is like the epitome of toxic positivity.
3: It's like settle down. Exactly. Exactly. But a cloudy day, a rainy day. Wow. You just get it's liberation for me, mm-hmm. like no expectations.
0: Oprah, we love you. You are a, just, I mean, you're my North star and I um, am grateful for
3: every single offer Can you get me my phone? Cause I want to just see if I can find Glennon's email. I have it. Oh. Where is it? I want to just read that to the people if I can see it. I had it for so long. I printed it out and I have it in my drawer. So that Glennon, I always, in times of trial, can go back to it. Mm-hmm. See if it's going to come up. I don't know. In this moment. It's not. No, it's okay. Wasn't meant to be. I wanted to so much. So I thank you all for having me on here.
1: You're the freaking most best in the She's whole the wide world. She's the most
0: best. That's what Oprah is.
3: Um, Got it. Got it. Got oh, it. Oh, okay. This is written 11 18 And the subject is On Mothering Love. Hello, my friend, my sister, my example. I'm sitting on a balcony on Cayman Island. And right at this moment, writing an essay about the word mother, what that word really means, how it's less to me a fixed identity we can be or not be, and more an energy we can offer or not offer. The essay is about how some of us who can check the box mother never really learn how to offer mothering love, and how others of us who don't check the box harness it and offer it widely and wildly. The essay is about how much better off the world would be if we gathered up mothering love and used it like a floodlight instead of a pointed laser aimed only at the few we've been assigned. As I'm writing this essay on the balcony, my sister just sent me a text that says, gee, Oprah's mother died. She was 83. I wanted you to know. I just got that text a minute ago. I would never presume to guess what your relationship was like, how complex it was and is to be your mother's daughter, what your feelings are this week, what your feelings have been or will be. I just wanted to say that you are my example of how to gather up mothering love and use it as a floodlight to illuminate and warm the world. You are my and the world's best example of grace, which means that we can somehow give what we've never even received. I don't know much, but from everything you bravely say and kindly don't say, I've gathered that you didn't get the mothering love you deserved and needed as a little girl and a grown girl. To me, that is what makes you a miracle. It is a miracle that somehow you took the broken pieces that she put in your hands, all of them, and you spun them into gold and opened your hands wide and offered that gold back to the world, which is not just a gift to the world, It is a gift directly back to your mother because you worked with what she gave you, ensured that her legacy through you is gold. With your help, your mother's legacy is gold. What a gift. If there is a heaven, she can see that now. She can see that her miraculous daughter somehow somehow turned her offerings to gold. God bet she's amazed and grateful. Well done, good, faithful, miraculous, badass servant. In your corner forever. My friends, that (laughs) is my letter from Glennon that freed me. And I thank you.
1: I love you. Thank you. Love you. We love you very much, Oprah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. Okay, Pod Squad, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode, and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. I give you Tish Melton and Brandi Carlisle.
2: I walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased his So were adventurous